I have missed you all so much. I have missed uh, being with our children and our youth, and today um, watching them serve is just uh, a gift. So, But one of the things that I've missed about uh, being with you all, with them especially, is the lightheartedness that comes with spending time with them. I love that our children and youth don't have to be serious all of the time. I miss our would-you-rather questions. Would you rather eat a whole raw onion or a whole lemon? Would you rather lick a dirty trash can or a bathroom floor? I know, right? Would you rather eat a dead roach or a live worm? No, right? Let's be very clear. As the children will attest in these would you rather questions, you are trapped. You're cornered. There really are no good answers. But the unwritten rule of the game is that you must make a choice and you must defend your decision and you must have a laugh or two while trying to decide. As I listen to the gospel reading from Matthew this morning, we might almost think that we are in the middle of this would you rather silliness as we hear two groups of people, the Pharisees and the Herodians, plotting to trap Jesus, to corner Jesus, into making a decision regarding taxes, and Jesus cannot possibly win. There is no good answer. The only thing laughable, though, about this conversation might be that the Pharisees and the Herodians, they don't even like each other. But they have united in their common bond to rid Jesus from their lives. They try to trick him. They try to corner him, to ask him a would-you-rather type question. And depending on how he answers, either way, the Pharisees and the Herodians will be victorious in ridding Jesus from their lives once and for all. Now, I think it is important to note that they are clever with the game here because they begin by buttering Jesus up. And they lay it on thick. Teacher, we know you are sincere. We know you always tell the truth. We know that you are impartial. And you don't play favorites. You always make up your own mind. Uh Uh-huh. My malarkey meter would already be buzzing if I were Jesus. What are you all up to? They continue. Since we all know how wonderful you are, tell us then, what do you think about this whole paying taxes thing? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Now, before we even look at how Jesus responds to this conundrum, Let's chat about what might be their real motive here. 
Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Let's start with the Pharisees. As you may remember, the Pharisees are a group of Jewish leaders, religious leaders, that were trained in scripture and skilled in argumentation. Just for funsies, they would raise questions to speakers to try and embarrass them and make them appear less credible. They were deeply resentful of paying Roman taxes, especially this particular tax that they are questioning, because Jewish people were required to pay their oppressors a denarius, a coin that was worth a week's wages, every year to support their own oppression? If Jesus answers, yes, it is lawful to pay taxes, it will be seen as Jesus being disloyal to his own people, the faith that he is teaching about in the first place. Jesus would most likely be run out of town and the Pharisees would no longer have to be challenged by his questions and teachings anymore. Problem solved. Well, the Herodians, on the other hand, they are believed to be supporters of Herod and the emperor and supportive of this imperial tax. They are crossing their fingers that Jesus will say, no, it is not lawful to pay this tax so that they can denounce him to Rome as a rebel and Jesus will be arrested and the Jews will have to continue paying the tax. Problem solved. So what's it going to be, Jesus? Would you rather we pay taxes or we not pay taxes? And after a little name calling, Jesus says, show me the coin for the tax. Now, if I'm being honest, Jesus, that is not how you play, would you rather? The fun part of the game is that you have to choose. But I've given up a long time ago expecting Jesus to respond in the ways that I think he should. So he says, show me the coin for the tax. And wouldn't you know it, someone hands him a coin. Who? Who hands him the coin? Because the answer to that might make a difference. If it was a Pharisee, one could argue that they shouldn't have a Roman coin in the first place because it bears an image of the emperor who is considered a god. And that would be considered idol worship for the Jews, and that's a whole different sermon for a different Sunday. But the verse doesn't say who hands him the coin. But now Jesus starts asking the questions. Whose head is on this coin? Whose title is on this coin? They answered, the emperor's. Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. Problem solved. Scripture says that they were amazed, and they left him and went away. 
And I promise that I'm not trying to be a heretic here this morning, but I think part of the story got left out. I think it should continue with, and after they walked for a minute, they started talking amongst themselves and realized that they weren't quite sure they really understood the answer that Jesus gave them after all. They had some questions. Has that ever happened to you before? You ask a question and you get an answer that you're pretty sure you understand, but then you start talking it out with a friend and you realize, oh, now wait a minute. Maybe I'm not quite sure that I really do understand the answer that was given to me. I have to believe that someone in that crowd had some follow-up questions. Maybe, well, what exactly is the emperor's? What, what exactly is God's? What do I give to them? And how much? For how long? I would need some clarification. But the more and more that I read and study this passage, the more I think that the clarification is in the coin. Give, therefore, to the emperor the things that are the emperor's. Look at the coin in your hand. Not only does it have the emperor's picture on it, but it also has the emperor's title on it. And this title equated the emperor to a god. We know that during this time, there were these emperor cults, and emperors were treated and worshipped as gods. That coin in their hand was already the emperor's. And it is right to give that coin back to the god they worship. And in this case, that was the emperor. You would be considered a hypocrite to worship the emperor, have the emperor's money in your pocket, doing well for yourself, and then say, yeah, but I don't want to have to pay the emperor's taxes. So then Jesus says, and... Give to God the things that are God's. And what did that look like? Was there a coin they could look at for reference that had the image of God on it that they could in turn give back to God? That would be easy enough to understand, but as far as I can tell, that was not an option. I believe that what they could offer to God was something much more valuable than a coin. They could offer themselves. The beloved person that was made in the image of God, whose life was marked by the image of God, walking around, talking, and living life. They could offer this life and how they lived it back to the one who created them. And so can we. Not only were we created in the image of God, but we have been sealed as Christ's own. 
First Thessalonians this morning tells us that God has chosen you. And the Exodus passage reminds us that God knows you by name. As a beloved child of God, you are gifted with the promises that were bestowed upon Moses and even the Thessalonians. And when we look in the mirror, or when we look into the eyes of another beloved child of God, what will we see? Will we see the image and the mark that the world leaves on us? Or will we see the image and the mark of God reflected back to us? Will we be imitators of the one living and true God? Or will we be imitators of the world? Will we share the gifts God has given to us and allow God's presence among us and in us to set us apart? Will we be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit in our lives? How do we make our obligations to this world an expression of our obligations to God? Will you ask yourself that this week as you head back out into your schools or your workplaces and your neighborhoods? What will I give back to the world this week because I bear the image of God and am sealed as Christ's own? Amen.